You are listening to the WPPI Podcast, and I am your host, Elena S. Blair. I am a Seattle-based family and newborn photographer, and I've been in the biz for 13 years. I attended my first WPPI conference 11 years ago, and I can say without a doubt that it changed my art, my business, and my life. I wholeheartedly believe in community over competition and know that I grew my community because of WPPI. We are going to bring you real conversations with industry experts to share their journey, passion, and knowledge with you. And of course, to share their WPPI story. Thank you so much for being here. Let's dive in. All right, everybody. I am so excited to be here today talking to Mr. Roberto Valenzuela, who is kind of a legend. He's kind of a big deal. If you don't know of him, you're going to go and fangirl or fanboy about him after this. I know I did first time I heard of him. But you are an award-winning, internationally recognized photographer, an author of so many books, an educator. You have the title of Explorer of Light, which is such a prestigious honor. I am so happy to have you here. Thank you. How are you? I'm so pumped. I'm good. It's so funny because people think I'm anything in the photo world. I mean, I've done a lot, but when you when you hear it from somebody else's introduction of you, you you always go back in your life and you're like, what the heck did I do? All the, I did all these things. It's like and you, it's like a, a quick flash through the past. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, yeah, you're humble. I remember the first time that I ever saw you in real life was at a conference at WPPI, actually. And you walked by and my friend Bree was like, oh, my God, that's Roberta Valenzuela. He is such a big deal. He's such an amazing wedding photographer. <laughs> and I was like, what? And then I, that's when I looked you up. So, yes, people whisper about you when you walk by because you're such a big deal. This <laughs> <laughs> is just ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know if you wanted to know that, but now you do. I don't even know what goes on. I just, I'm usually <laughs> running to the bathroom, you know, because <laughs> this is why I go so fast. I'm like, wow, where did I need to be? That's okay. Awesome. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started in this whole photography industry because you know you're saying when I when I say some of those those accolades and the things that you're known for it's like whoa did I really do that which is I think that's really true for all of us it's such a long journey right they say the shortest way to an overnight ex- success is 10 to 15 years of really hard work <laughs> that's right so tell us tell us a little bit about how this started for you I'll make the story short and entertaining for people to hear because this is the way it really happened in like a cookie like bite okay I was a high school teacher. I got a job as a business high school teacher. I needed to teach my students how to do business, how to do finance, marketing, accounting, advertising, and all of this. The president of the United States wanted business teachers to teach business at high schools through real life experience, not textbooks. So they gave us a $90,000 grant. And I asked my students, what do you guys want to do for a business? We have $90,000 to start any business you guys want. And they took the day, and the next day they came to me with a piece of paper, and they said, we all came up with this. And then I opened the piece of paper, and it said, digital photography. And that piece of paper changed my life. What? And, yeah. That is crazy. That's a crazy story. <laughs> it's kind of how it went. It was, it's exactly how it went down. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I was teaching happily as a business uh, full-time faculty member. I even got tenured. My third year, I was doing really well as a high school educator. So I thought I was going to be a teacher for a long time. I didn't own a camera. I didn't even know how to spell photography, nor did I know that a camera and the lens could disattach. I thought a camera and lens always came together. So my knowledge of photography was terrible. It was just very little. Never have I thought of photography in my entire life until I was like 
25 when I started, 24 when I started photography. Those kids changed my life with that piece of paper. And one of the first things I, I went to, I, I found out it's like, it's a lot of covering in others. So many things in photography that it's just so complicated. And I was pretty lost. So my students and I would stay after school for hours so late that even the, the students' parents would bring their kids dinner at the high school. So they would oh. stay at the classroom with me. We would stay at the class till 9.30, sometimes even 10 o'clock at night. Wow. And school ended at 2.50. So we would stay for another six, seven hours just trying to figure out how to use the equipment that I ordered, like the lights and the cameras and all these different things. It was just like a moment in my life where I felt I was getting hit by a semi-truck of how much passion I was feeling for something that I didn't know anything about. And that is weird. It's like, how do you feel passion for something that you don't even know if you're good at or terrible at, or you don't know anything, but that's what happened. I just felt this emotion, like, like overtaking me. And I was just like, God, I really, really feel something here. And that, has still stayed after 20 years. I'm still pumped about photography. Well, I think that that's something that so many people who get into this can relate to. I mean, I certainly know that, my, that that's part of my story as well, where it's like all of the, you know, the arrows of like what is right and safe were pointing away from me going towards this passion that had no, I had no business doing, right? Like, it's like, I didn't know how to use a camera. I didn't know, I didn't have the money to invest in a business, but I was like, I'm going for it. I'm, I'm going to learn this. And I think a lot of us start that way. So I'm glad that you shared that because I think when people see someone as established as you, they don't realize that it, that you didn't just like come out the gate with this like insane talent, you know? You know what else is really talented? You. I'm looking at your Instagram right now. I'm going to follow you. I didn't even know I didn't follow you. I'm going to follow you back right now. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> you have a lot of followers. Oh, my God. You have more, you have more than me. You have more than me. But thank you so yeah, much for saying there. that. You have 30,000 people. <laughs> thank oh, and you. now you have 30,001. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for being that the next one. Well, what I want to ask is uh, what you just you know, said, it also segues to something that I read about you in your bio as I was researching for this interview, is you believe that photography isn't necessarily about talent, but about deliberate practice. And your story that you just started with really leans into that. Can you, can you speak a little more to that? Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. I mean, I just, I think people have talent. I think you, you can have talent, like you can have an inclination for art. Like maybe you love art. Okay. There's that. I don't think you are born with photography talent. I, I, I think you can have intelligence, like predetermined talent for composition, like being able to see things in a different way or try to look for different angles. But when it comes to like actually being a photographer, you need to do a lot more than composition. You need to learn a lot of things. And one thing that I learned is that in the photo world, it's about speed and pressure. It's about performing under, under pressure and you have to do things very fast. And the only way to perform under pressure is to not even think about it. It has to be like second nature to you. That's the only way. Like I, I used to be a classical guitar player, a classical concert guitarist. And when you're under pressure, your fingers freeze. And if your fingers freeze, you cannot play and you're a soloist. So there's no Photoshopping your mistakes in a, in a classical guitar concert. It's just you by yourself on stage. So the only thing you have to rely on is your practicing that you did during the weeks after weeks and weeks. And your deliberate practice of the music and how slow you took it and how deliberate you took each phrase 
is what's going to save you when you are feeling nerves coming out of your stomach and you're going to throw up and you feel everybody sitting down and you hear everybody getting really quiet and you're about to start playing the, the piece and you know that piece is difficult. And you know that once you start, you cannot stop until the end and it has to be flawless. Otherwise, people say like, I paid $30 for this and this guy keeps making mistakes. Your nerves are just really up there. Mm. And this ability to calm myself and say, Roberto, like, don't worry about it. Like, you are trained. Your fingers are trained, fine-tuned machines. Play the music. Play. Like, show them how beautiful the composer composed this piece. So it wasn't even about me anymore. It wasn't about me showing them how good I was technically. It was more about me being the middleman for the composer's amazing genius and how great his music was. And I'm only the guy interpreting this music in the guitar for the audience. That's kind of what I was thinking. So when you do that and you know you're trained, you just rip that guitar a new one. Uh, Oh my goodness. What a perfect example or perfect analogy. Often I find, you know, that when students are trying to learn and I'm sure you get this a lot and you've written books and you're an educator as well, they want to know your exact settings and they want to know, you know, everything exact that you did. And I always say, I'm, I can tell you that, but when you pick your camera up, what you make will be different because what we really, it comes from, you know, learning those skills. And then, like you said, having it become second nature. And I feel like my camera is sort of like an extension of my hand. I don't think about settings anymore. I don't know, maybe. And I think that's kind of speaking to what you just said, which I loved that guitar analogy. It's amazing. I think when people go through in their photo life, you're going to go through a series of stages. And one of the stages in your growth as a photographer is what kind of settings did you use? That's a stage you go through. Yeah. I don't think it's wrong to go through that stage. I think it's wonderful because you are actually going through the phases that you're going to need to, to develop your own style. And the only way you can get to your own style is by asking questions. And sometimes people need to know what are the settings you chose because those settings give you good results. And even though you and I both know it's got nothing to do with the settings. Yeah. But in their mind, for them to make sense of all the complications of, like, why did you choose these settings? Where was the light coming from? What kind of intensity were you dealing with? Did you have to enhance the light? Did you put a strobe? If you put a strobe, does that change your shutter speed because you have to stay within the thing speed? These things don't make any sense to a person at that stage. Yeah. So they want the formula. Like, what is the formula? Now, once they experience the settings and they experience some level of success with those settings, Now, the next stage is curiosity, which is now that I got some sort of success with this person's settings and I'm getting a good photo out of it, it would be cool to find out why or what's the next thing. Like, okay, why is the shutter speed the way it is? How does this aperture affect the look of my photos? Yes, I understand these settings work, but now I want to know why. And that's the second stage that people go through. And some people don't go through that stage. Some people stay on the, just give me the formula on a silver platter and I never want to think. And those people, I also don't have a problem with those people because those people are doing photography for different reasons. They're just doing, trying to enjoy it and take their pictures. And so yeah. they probably won't be a professional photographer. They probably would just be somebody who, you know, takes a picture of vacations or whatever. So it's fine. Look, as long as people are photographing with a real camera instead of just their iPhones, like I'm happy. <laughs> 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 totally. I love that. Oh, well, obviously you spoke to this before because that was just so eloquently put. It's so true. It is a stage. And I think that, 
you know, infusing your own creativity or like you said, curiosity into it, it takes a little bit of bravery to do that as well, because you have to take some risks. And that can be it can be kind of scary when you want everyone to like you and you want your work to be, you know, a certain way or a certain style. So see, getting everyone to like you is another stage. It's another phase <laughs> totally. that you go through. Um, yes. I'm at the stage in my life, in my photo career, where I don't necessarily care as much if people like what I did. And the reason is I'm getting to the point where I have done every uh, kind of a lot in, photo, in the photo world. I have been put in the most pressure cooker situations. I have had my work at the Whitney Museum of Art in New York City displayed on the, on the walls there. I, and I had 300 people waiting outside to see the exhibits. Like I, I have been in situations where you just feel like I want to push the envelope now. And when you push the envelope, the regular people in most phases of their careers, they stop understanding why you're doing what you're doing. You start to do things that are just odd. You start breaking every rule. You start creating crazy things. You no longer care about the perfect pose and the perfect light and, and the three-point lighting and this Rembrandt lighting and all these things. You, you're like, the hell with the Rembrandt lighting. Like, what am I feeling for this picture? What am I feeling? What is Roberto Valenzuela thinking I want to create with this? There is snapshots of people, which basically focus on moments. There is pictures of people, which focuses on the subject, but it's not necessarily artistic. It's more like what they look like. And then there's portraits of people. And a portrait is like photographing the person's soul, not just what they physically look like. So if you're going to take your camera and point it at a person, are you taking a snapshot? Are you taking a picture of them to see what they look like or to show what they look like? Or are you taking a portrait of them, which is has more of a story element to it. Like, what is this person's story? What has this person gone through? What are their scars in their face and their wrinkles tell you about them? What about their hands? That kind of thing. So mm. after developing a million portraits for people from all walks of life, from normal people to the biggest celebrities in the world and models, I photographed them all. And at this point in my career, I'm like, even if it's a celebrity that comes into my studio, I say, I know you've been photographed in a typical celebrity way, which is flat lighting, no wrinkles in your face, perfect background, just clean. Okay, we're not going to do that. And then they're like, good. That's why we're here. Yeah. Ugh. You know, I that's why it. we're here. <laughs> like, Please make me look like a human. Well, th and, I mean, I feel like that's was something I definitely wanted to ask you about because I think that this – it's kind of an elusive part of our industry to actually, and I'm saying this with quotes because we know that people will claim, well, I've you know done celebrity photography or I'm a fashion photographer and perhaps they're on their way to that, but they've only photographed like one celebrity or whatever. You are well-versed in this. This is something that you have done and really established yourself as an expert in that area. How did you break into that? Because I'm sure some people would love to hear that part of your story. Yeah, absolutely. That's a fun question. And thank you for asking that. Uh, that it's actually really easy to break into the fashion world. You just have to, you have to understand that it's not that hard to break into it. It's hard to stay in it. Ah, okay. Perfect. So you can break into it. There's so many companies right now that are doing so much social media need, commercial companies like facial products and all these different things. Those are the companies that you start with and then you move from there to fashion. Once a fashion designer or whatever, once they can see your take and keyword is your Okay, that's the word. That's the keyword. Mm -hmm. Your take on how you're going to photograph their clothing. They're going to either be into that 
or not into that for that particular season. So another key word for that particular season, like it doesn't mean they don't like your work. It just means that's not the vision they have for that particular season for clothing. So I tell my, my fashion clients, I look at the, at the, at the style of the clothes and I come up to them three days later with a proposal, say, I, this clothes inspired me to do this. And they sometimes think this is incredible. You came up with all of this based on looking at the clothes. So I was like, yeah, when I look at the clothes, I think of this. This is what my take is. And I always do something funny for them. I always throw them a curveball and they, they know that about me. I'll do the regular photos of the clothes that I, that I had, that I had an idea for. I will execute that. And then I will do one look that is my look. And that is the curveball. And that is totally odd. It's weird. They may not like it. They may love it. I don't know. I don't care. This is for those 15 minutes. This is my curveball. This is my time. You're taking your, putting your own creativity onto the whole scene, basically. You're like, all right, I did what you wanted, but. Yes, I did what you wanted. Now I want to, I want to let my brain explode into whatever it does. And I, I don't want you to tell me you don't, you don't like the way it's going. I, I don't want anything. I just want to create my photo for this next 20 minutes. And this is my time. So I do it. And most of the time, it is that particular photo that has gotten me to the next campaign and the next campaign. And a lot of times, my photo has failed. Like People don't like it. They're like, oh, no, this is awful. But they have seen the work that I did when I was shooting for the design. And they're like, oh, but you also photographed. This is, This looks very nice and clean. I said, yeah, of course, I can do both. But this is where my brain explodes. This is where I try to do what you want based on my idea. Awesome. You know, a fashion photographer doesn't get paid for taking the photos. That's a misconception. A fashion photographer gets paid for creating the idea for the campaign. Oh, wow. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that, actually. Yeah. So I'm glad that you put that out there. That's amazing. So so they, they hire you because of your, you know, you're a photographer and because of your talent that they know that you have, but then they allow you to be like the creative director, essentially, of the shoot? The opposite. They hire you because of your creative director. Oh. And, the, and the secondary product is you can also take the pictures. Well, if nobody has heard that before, hopefully your mind was just blown because that's, I think that a lot of people are probably approaching it differently. This is such a foreign concept to me. I don't photograph commercial, do any commercial work at all. So I'm just like, whoa, Yeah, <laughs> I'm learning something today, which is awesome. Yeah. People come up to you. These designers are really good at doing their clothing based on New York Fashion Week and whatever is happening mm-hmm. with LA Fashion Week and whatever the trends are, but they, they don't know photography. They don't know what you can do. They don't know what possible. They, they have ideas like on Pinterest, like they kind of look at things. So they look at campaigns by, by Burberry or, or Gucci or what they look for inspiration. But in reality, they hire a photographer and say, here's the line. What do you guys think? What do you think would be the super successful? And then a photographer who's in my field, like in the fashion world, you have to know that right now, 2022, 2023, and actually not all 2022, starting like in March 2022 till now, Desert fashion photography is in big time. So right now, if you tell a designer you want to shoot something at Joshua Tree National Park and do this entire like desert scenery with the fashion, they're going to be all over it because that's really in right now. But after this is over, nobody cares about your fashion photography in the desert because now something else is in. So you have to really be aware of what's happening. You have to have your finger on the pulse of what's what's working. What, that's what's right. On, I, I mean, I hate to say this, but what's on trend, which I guess in fashion that really matters. So that makes sense. It makes all the difference. And then you put your artistic twist 
So remember this, they're hiring you for your brain creative director ideas. This is why you get hired to do jobs. Okay. And then once they like the idea, then you take the photos. But you have nothing if you don't have the ideas. Okay. Like if you go to a design, you're like, I'm the greatest photographer in the world. I can do anything with lights. What's your idea for this campaign? Oh, I don't know. Why don't you tell me what to do and then I'll do it. <laughs> well, that, and it's like they want you to be the expert, right? And I mean, and this is coming back to, you know, the stages of where you are in, in your journey or on your journey as a photographer. You have to learn how to do that. You need to learn the skills to be a director. I mean, that even, even in family photography or you're also a wedding photographer, like they expect you to be the expert. And if you haven't taught yourself or done the proper education, you may not be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. And you know what's fun about being an expert in, in creative director that as long as you have an idea and you stick to it, they think of you as an expert because you are confident in your idea. Even though your idea may be simple, at least you have the idea. Right. You know? And so people are like, how do I break into this? I have another little revelation for you guys. It's not hard because most photographers that want to get into fashion are intimidated by by how difficult it is. And, oh, my God, it's like I'm not worthy. And, you know, it's imposter syndrome and all these different stuff that goes through your head. So what happens is people don't end up inquiring to any companies about their services. They, they just, they're too shy. They just continue being by themselves. It's kind of like when you're in high school and you see the girl that's like super beautiful and you're just like, oh no, she's way too beautiful for me. I'm never going to ask her out. And every guy thinks that. So then that girl ends up having no prom bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they think she's too good looking. She's too intimidating or whatever. So they're like, of course she's going to say no to me. Mm-hmm. Like, why would I ask her? So no. That's what happens with the fashion world that people think, of course, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to accept me because I'm nothing. And you know what? You are something. And as long as you have an idea and you come up to, to the company, like even local uh, designers or whatever, like here in LA, we have a bunch of designers that are like local. If you come up with an idea and you have something professional to give them and you're excited about your idea, you are now an expert in their, in their eyes. Well, and it's kind of the concept of, you know, a lot of photographers have a really hard time marketing themselves. They don't want to bother people. They don't think they're good enough. And what you just said right there, A, it defies the marketing trends that are that are hot right now that people hate, like reels, et cetera. You're saying like, hey, this is old school. Like go and introduce yourself to these people because chances are not many people will have had the guts to do that. So you're already ahead of the game if you stand up and say like, hey, I've got this idea. You should hire me. A hundred percent. You have yeah. the guts to do it because you you did it. You you did, you did it, it, whereas other people, they're too scared to do it. So they, they don't, which is funny because they, they have the same skills or more than the other person, but they were too shy. And, you know, it's too bad because it's not hard to get out there and write, write an idea. Like with Canon, I'm a Canon Explorer Lite. So when Canon comes up with a new camera, they don't just randomly pick Canon uh, EOLs to shoot the campaign. You know, you have a meeting with them and you're like, what, are, what is your idea for the campaign? You're like, well, my idea differs from the other people's ideas because I want to do this and this and this. And I think this will do that. With, and I can show the camera's features this way and and if people are like, okay, and then they have a meeting and they decide if your idea is good and then they hire you for the campaign. Yeah. Perfect. Bam. You know? Just like that. It's, it's not hard. <laughs> it's not hard. It just takes a little bit of courage, you know, we've, which we've, I feel like is kind of a theme of what we're talking about here. Sure. And I'm, I'm just so glad you demystified some of that because for someone who is not, you know, in that part of the, our, our industry, it does feel like it's this elusive part of our industry that not many people break into. And you just kind of broke it down as to why. 
So yeah. thank you for sharing all of that. No so, problem. I loved hearing it. I hope it, it helps. Mm-hmm. Me too. Well, um, you are obviously a very skilled speaker and educator just for how easily all of these tips are rolling off of your tongue. But you started somewhere. You were once a student as well. You told us about how your photography journey started. I wanted to hear a little bit about your WPPI story. I think that's something that you and I both have in common. I'm a speaker there. You are a longtime speaker there. And I want to hear that. What has WPPI done for you and and how is it part of your journey? (laughs) Oh, WPPI, those four letters. Every time I hear them, <laughs> my heart just kind of sinks a little bit. <laughs> like literally my heart sinks. Even though I've been doing this, I've been going to WPPI for 18 years without missing a single year. I still get the butterflies in my stomach because of everything WPPI represents. So to me, WPPI represented kind of like to be a little dramatic. It represents like a pool that I was thrown into and I had to learn to swim or sink. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. I've, I have a very similar feeling to that. So yes, it does make sense. Okay. I just want, don't want to sound crazy, but it, it sounds to me, it is kind of like, it feels like that pool where they just throw you in the pool and it's like, it's a deep end and you just have to, it's like, you better like start kicking because you're going down. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and why do I say that about WPPI? Because when I first went, I couldn't even afford to stay at the hotel where the show was at. So my wife and I had to stay at a hotel, or should I call it a motel, off the strip. And we were... Do you remember what year that was? It was 2003. Okay. And we were accompanied by five or six roaches. So we were not alone <laughs> in our hotel room in Las Vegas. And I say this because... We couldn't afford much. I was a high school teacher. I was the only income earner in my house. My wife was getting her master's degree in engineering, but she she was still in school, so she wasn't getting a paycheck. So it was just me. So with my little $26,000 a year paycheck I was making, I had to pay for my house, insurance, and you know I had just gotten married, and now we're going to WGPI. So I don't have a lot of money left. So I went to the thing. I couldn't afford the hotel. We, we stayed off the strip. It was a terrible experience. But when I showed up at the Bally's Hotel, that's where it was when, when I started, I saw all these photographers walking with their bags and their registration things. And I saw thousands. This is back when WPI had like 15,000 people. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm in, I'm in an ocean. And I'm, I'm, like, I'm like Nemo, right? <laughs> Keep I'm swimming. Not even, I'm, I'm Nemo. I'm tiny. I'm a tiny little fish in this Pacific Ocean. Like, how the hell am I going to make a name for myself? I come from a small town called Tucson, Arizona. Uh, like nobody knows about Tucson, really. It's like, a, it's not even the biggest town in Arizona. It's, it's the second biggest. And it's just not a town you think famous photographers were born there. You don't know. It's a town where you kind of go retire, you know? So, <laughs> so it's kind of like, how am I going to make a name for myself? And I remember, uh, Elena, like my mind was just looking at all the thousands of people passing by. I stood there in the hallway while I was being passed by everybody. No, nobody knew who I was back then, of course. So nobody would talk to me. I was just sitting there in awe in the hallway at the Bally's Hotel. And my wife is like, are you coming? And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, what the <laughs> hell am I doing? I know. That's also what's so awesome about WPPI, too. I felt that way my first time, very overwhelmed. But then you're like, oh, our industry is thriving. (laughs) I'm a little fish in this big pond, but holy cow. 
Well, it started with, there used to be like a welcome dinner. So I would go to the welcome dinner. I'm so glad my wife was there because I didn't know who I was going to talk to. And, and I sit down at this welcome dinner in the round table and I made a couple of friends. One of them was named Joe. Another girl was Jessica and another, another guy there. And we started chatting a little bit. It was their first year. It was my first year. And guess what? 18 years later, those two are still some of my best friends, you know? So we still talk. We still talk all the time, me and the, me and those, and Jessica and Joe. And we we started talking about going to the UPI together and stuff. But now that I developed a friendship, my first piece of advice to people going to the UPI is try to open up to other people and make friends immediately because those friendships, I know you think you're nervous and you don't know who to talk to and stuff. Look, photographers are the nicest people on, on earth and they, they're very social. Otherwise, there wouldn't be photographers. They would be accountants. Yeah. So they want to talk to you. They want to have you meet them or, or they meet you. And, and it's not hard for them to be like, hey, what's up? Oh, what do you do? Oh, I, I photograph portraits in Oklahoma. Oh, that's great. I photograph in New Jersey. And then you start chatting. These friendships are key for you to go to shows and ask them, what classes are you going to? What are you going to do for lunch? And you start having this, this community. And this is the beginning of you building community. Community is the f- most important thing that WPI will bring to you at the very beginning of your first visits. You have to build that community. If you go with your husband or with your wife, don't stick to them at all times. Break away from them. Go do things by yourself so you can learn new people. You can get to know new people. That This is vital. Don't stay in your comfort zone because if you do, you're not going to meet new people. It's such good advice. And there's this weird, you know, narrative that our industry is cutthroat and that, you know, it's not very welcoming. But I just feel like that's, you can subscribe to that story if you want. But it's never been the case for me. As soon as I was like, I need some peers, I need some friends in this community. There were so many people who were like, had their arms wide open, willing to be, you know, helpful and kind. And so that's such good advice. Don't stick to just the one friend that you went with, like really open up your, your circle. It's such yeah, a great opportunity for that. I don't know what kind of planet these people went to that they said it could, photography was cutthroat. Photographers are, are some of the nicest people I've ever met. They, they are the opposite of cutthroat. They're very welcoming. Mm-hmm. They're very nice. Yes, yeah, some people are crazy and some people are cutthroat, but that's like literally one millionth of 1% yeah, I agree. of the population. The population, photographers are happy people. Okay. You're not a criminal attorney. Okay. You're not a public (laughs) defendant. Okay. Where you're depressed. You're not a dentist. Okay. Like you're a photographer. You photograph people usually in happy events. When you take their picture, people smile when they look at the camera and they see themselves in, in the back of your screen. You're photographing people's happiest moments. If you shoot weddings, you're photographing people's designs and, and art. If you're a fashion photographer, you're shooting people's products that they worked really hard to make. If you're a commercial photographer, you're making people happy wherever you turn. Photography is a career of making people excited about what they do and bringing a photo to life of every single person that hires you from a portrait to a commercial shoot to a fashion shoot. You're bringing what they did to life as a photographer. So no, I don't think it's cutthroat. I think it's very friendly. WPI especially brings very friendly people. It attracts very friendly people. And I think you should just go all out in trying to make friends. Mic drop, Roberto. So perfectly put. Damn. Just, just do it. Yes. You know, just go own it. Oh, I love that. And the other thing about, I, but to piggyback on that, that you're making people happy, 
photographers are get getting to do something that they feel passionate about. Like you, this is the best job in the world. You get to be your own boss. You get to be an artist. Like that is a, that's a pretty great place to be. It's a great place to be. Yeah. Yeah. So anything else that you want to share about your, that first uh, WPPI experience, other than that you felt like a very small fish in a very big pond? Well, continuing on with that story is something happens in you when you go to WPPI, when you see the photographers that you look up to or you have heard about, when you meet new friends, you realize that whatever bubble you're in, whether it's in Nebraska, Oklahoma, New Jersey, New York, Los Angeles, or Milwaukee, it doesn't matter if you're in Aspen, Colorado. You're always in this bubble. And when you go to the PPI, you experience the world, not just your bubble anymore. You experience photography from other states like California and New York and Texas and Minnesota. And then you expand even further to Malaysia, Japan, China, Mexico, Brazil, and you experience photographers in Estonia and Baltic states that you've never even heard of before. And wow, the looks that everybody gets is so different that at least for me, I was going to just have an aneurysm of how much I was going to explode, of how much passion I was feeling. I was like, this is not real life. Like, I mean, being exposed to really great photography makes you a better photographer. Being exposed to crappy photography, like if you always stick to whatever same bubble it's like facebook right if, if you post a photo on facebook and it's a terrible picture everybody always says oh my god it's the greatest picture ever i love it oh my god it's amazing like boom 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 that's a bubble so everybody tells you what you want to hear but when you expose yourself to what's really out there it's like a slap in the face and you're like okay now i know what i'm able to do and if you love photography if you love it as much as i do you start working your way to creating this kind of level of work that you were exposed to. So WPI is the only place that brings that level of international talent in the country. And they still bring a lot of international talent. And I encourage people to do it. But that's the other thing, you know, is, is so first build a community and build friendships. Second, try to expose yourself to other types of work and get away from the bubble that you that you come from. Like, just get away from it. Like, if, if you come from Missouri, then get away from Missouri photographers and, and try to see what people in Texas are doing and, like, see what people in whatever country in Argentina, see what, are, see, see what they're doing. And then the third thing is, for me, there was the, the love for gear and the love for education. Those two things are, like, the next paths you cross. Like, when you go to the VPI and you're starting out, you go through that phase of I got to buy all the gear. And if I don't have the gear, then I probably won't make it because other people have the expensive gear and I don't. And the funny part is that wasn't the case for me at all. And that's one thing I love about photography that you don't have to have the expensive gear to do really well. You have to be well-trained to do really well. You know, So yep. I encourage people, don't ignore the classes of OGPI. Go to the classes and stay in the class. Don't go for 10 minutes and then walk away because you, speakers don't always start out with their most important information at the beginning of their talks. Like you build, especially experienced speakers like myself, we build upon what we're talking about to get to a certain point that is like the most meaty part of our, of our presentation. But I see people walking in, walking out, walking in, walking out. We're not there to just entertain you. We're trying to teach something. We're trying to share something that would help you. 
So choose classes carefully, go to the class, stay in the seat, enjoy what this person is trying to say. And remember this, whoever's teaching, you may not agree with everything they're saying. You may agree with a lot. Who knows? But I'll tell you what, they are exposing you to what they do. And that exposure makes you better whether you agree or not. Because if you don't agree, you at least understand why you don't agree with that. And if you do agree, then you can kind of figure out why you agree with this person. And either way, your brain is active. Yep. You know, you're actively thinking, why do I agree with this? Or why do I not agree with this? And that is making you a better photographer. So don't shy away from the education and don't think that you have to have the latest and greatest in year. Yes, it's fun to have the latest and greatest. I would admit, I, lo- I love buying the goods, but it's not necessary. Buy yourself a decent camera, two or three normal lenses. You don't even have to be expensive stuff and invest in lighting. And once you have some basic stuff like that, learn your gear. And then you, you can go for years without having to replace it or you can replace gear little by little. But education comes first. Love it. Yes, it's so true. And I think for me after WPPI, every single year, even now that I'm a speaker, I still attend talks and I still love to you know walk the showroom floor and, and watch the, the talks that are going on there. And I come home and I feel like I always do something big after. I don't know if it is, you know, I can't even always say it was directly related to something that I learned or something that I saw, but just that inspiration and that expansion of seeing what all these other photographers are doing all over the world, it it changes you. It makes Mm -hmm. you a better artist and it makes you a better business person as well. Amen to that. And that's my next point. When you do go to WCPI, here's a good strategy for you to try. And this strategy took me a few years to develop, but I've been going to the show for almost 20 years without missing a single show. So here's my piece of advice. Try to find one or two teachers, okay, usually two, that will teach you about composition. Okay, like find a teacher that's going to cover composition and find two of those. So if one doesn't work out, you can go to the other one. You want to kind of focus on composition at the beginning first, more than anything, more than posing, more than lighting, more than anything. Composition is like how photography begins and and it's crucial and it's free. You don't have to have expensive anything. You can even do it with your phone and just practice composition. So composition. Next, try to focus on posing. So find two or three photographers that will teach posing like I do. I teach posing. So do I. (laughs) <laughs> you do okay so you yeah. try to mm-hmm. teach posing i mean try to get a posing why posing as a, as, a, as a second most important thing posing is the second most important thing after composition in my mind because when a client sees their photo if they don't like the way they look because their pose is awkward there is no rescuing them there's no rescuing there's no photoshopping the pose there's no there's nothing you can do if they're slouching or they're doing something weird with their fingers or arms or eyes or their arm our legs or whatever you're done that's done okay there is no redo okay so and the thing is clients don't have to be an expert in posing to know if the pose is good or bad it's internal it's internal they look at a photo and they immediately react i like it or i don't like the way i look and if they don't like the way they look it's usually because of a posing problem okay so i would focus on posing as a secondary thing And then third, I would focus on lighting, okay? And I'm not talking about the crazy studio lighting that's super fun to see, but you're never going to do. 
let's get realistic and try to find a teacher that's actually going to teach like well the class that i'm teaching for example is called it's called i don't know what's it called but it's outstanding <laughs> like it's like beautiful lighting without without breaking the bank i can look you okay up. I, I can you look it up i don't know what's it called but mm-hmm. it's um something like groundbreaking beautiful amazing blah, 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 whatever the adjective is mm-hmm. without breaking the bank so why did I do that class? I'm doing that class to help people realize that you can do insane with little lighting. You can do insane things with knowledge and just a little bit of light without having to break the bank. That is the kind of class people should go to. Okay, They should go to it, sit down, listen to the class, listen carefully, and then you realize with what I'm going to teach you is you don't have to spend $10,000 in lighting to create these things. You can spend very little and still create the same exact look or very close to it. So, and not just my class, but look for classes that are going to help you with practical lighting. Okay. Keyword there is practical, not dreamy. Oh my God, look at this amazing, crazy stuff that that will come later. Right. When you get into putting your own mark on it. Exactly. Yeah. But people always try to go to the, to the, to like the crazy top, most craziest thing you, and because they're using this technique and it's amazing and it, well, when you go back to Oklahoma or when you go back to Missouri or when you go back to Fresno, you're not, no one's going to hire you for that. And then you feel like you wasted your time, mm-hmm. you know? So try to get into stuff that's actually practical and you're going to actually be able to use it when you go back to your city and, and get paid for it. Okay. Keyword, get paid. Like people say, I want to pay you to create this and then you can use that skill to do it. And then once you develop that, then I would say start going towards the more fun lighting classes, like the more creative lighting classes. But that comes later. Don't do the creative, crazy stuff first, and then you go home, and nobody understands it because it's too, it's too out there, and you don't get paid for anything. You're like, well, I'm not going to go to the VPN next year because I didn't get anything out of it. It's just your strategy was wrong. Yeah. I love that. I like that you're helping people with that because I think it can be overwhelming because there's so many, so many talks, right? There's so many opportunities. That's right. There's so many talks. People don't know. This is why I'm helping them. Yeah. And this is also why I think my class will be very helpful. Like how to create beautiful lighting without breaking the bank. You, I invite people to go to that class and, and, and hear me out because it, it will do exactly what I'm saying. You, you will create really beautiful work with minimal lighting so you don't have to spend so much money or be intimidated by all the equipment. Totally. Impactful lighting without breaking the bank is the name. Yes, definitely. Impactful lighting. Definitely see that. Yep. And I teach, I'm going to do a family posing one as well. So there's any, everything that you need is there. That's what's so awesome about this. Okay. What is your next, your final piece of advice? Because I think you said you had one more thing or was that it? I don't know if it's my final piece of advice for WGPI. I think my, my WGPI advice is to, is to go I think a lot of people go once and then they say, ah, you know, blah, blah. I didn't really get it, blah, blah. You know what? Make a commitment to go every year. There has been years for me that that were incredible. And there were other years that were great, but in a different way. Like I went to some speakers one year that were just mind-blowing. And I've gone to other speakers where I didn't agree with them, but I learned a lot from them too. I learned like what I, why I don't want to do that kind of thing. And exactly. And I think a lot of people try to think of like negative reasons why you shouldn't go. And, you know, you're like, well, you know, I have to pay for the hotel. 
you know what, to go to dent to become a dentist, you have to spend seventy thousand dollars in dental school. So why do photographers have such a hard time paying for education? I don't know. We can't expect to have a career doing what we do and never wanting to spend any money on learning anything or making a commitment to conferences like WPI mm-hmm. or Portrait Masters. You know? Like you should make it a commitment. Yeah, you gotta invest in yourself. You gotta invest. Like, oh, you didn't learn one thing yeah. in twenty in twenty twenty one. Well, maybe you'll kill it in twenty twenty two. But because you didn't go, now you don't know. And now you're still stuck in your bubble for another twelve months. And now you're not gonna you're gonna miss out on getting inspired by people. You're gonna miss out on posting family posting from you, how to do impactful lighting without breaking the bank from me. And all these things will no longer be in your brain, which is kind of a shame, you know? So that would be my next, my last piece of advice is please just, just make it as part of your career. Every March or whatever, you go to the WPI. Every whatever, you go to Portrait Masters. Like you go to this and you invest in yourself. Yep. And you can write it off too. So that's, it's a, it is a complete business investment. Yep. Completely. Oh, Roberto. So you are just like a vault of knowledge. I want to ask you five (laughs) final questions (laughs) before we, or we, I think you and I could probably talk all day, but I'll ask you five final questions and then I will let you go. But I want to know what can't you live without in your photography business? If you had to pick one thing, what would it be? My flash. (laughs) Okay. I'm my passport. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, you can't you can't be doing those international shoots without that. I travel the world photographing. I'm telling you, this this is why photography has been so fun because you travel so much. But one of the things that defined my look or the way I do things is by creating a very beautiful, subtle, almost romantic use of a flash. So when the people think of flash, they think of you know harsh light, hard, bright small light source, artificial looking, and blah, blah, blah. I decided that flash was something that actually could help me elevate and make me stand out. And I I spent a lot of time studying how to use a flash. And now flash is kind of like my thing. And I couldn't live without it. Like I, I see a photo of a person, even if they have nice lights in their face from natural light, I can still see the deficiencies in the light in one second by looking at them. And I can think, man, if I had my flash, I would totally be able to address that. So yeah, I think flash has a bad rep in terms of being difficult to use, but it's the greatest thing that has ever come my way. And it it was that and my knowledge of posing has been what catapulted me to where I am today. Perfect. And what would you say, and I think you kind of already have, but if you had to maybe button it up in a little piece of of you know, send off advice, what would you say to someone who is just starting their journey as a photographer? I would say discipline should be, should be something on the forefront of your mind. Discipline is like how a marathon runner trains or a classical musician trains for a concert. It, it takes discipline and, and doing constant doing reminder of your brain of what you're doing. I think if you become disciplined about practicing little things that may be, may be a little inefficient in your work, like if you're not so fast at flash, then maybe try to be disciplined for the next month. And once a week or twice a week, you pick up the flash and you, you try to tackle feature by feature. And you try to be, you try to see how fast you can get to those features. Like if you, if your flash was inside a camera bag and stuff like that, try to be disciplined. Like most of us keep our cameras inside a camera bag and we don't take it out unless we're going to do a shoot. Can you imagine if a classical guitarist never took out his guitar 
unless he was actually going to a concert <laughs> to play. Yeah. So true. <laughs> like you would, you, you would totally get booed. Okay. So keep your stuff out and remember you want to succeed in this photo industry, work harder than that person next to you. Okay. Like work harder. It's not, it's not a difficult concept. If you work harder and you work smarter, you will become better. If you don't take your camera out and you just watch YouTube videos because it's free and you don't want to invest in yourself, then when your business fails, now you know why. Yeah, perfect. Now, the final question that I'm going to ask, which you have been speaking to so much and so expertly, but what is one final reason why someone should come to WPPI this year? First and foremost, this year especially, it's almost like the beginning of, of Earth starting again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> like, it's really the beginning of the planet moving forward after like, oh, it's a little bit still here. It's a little bit iffy, whatever. Guys, as artists, we need food to feed our creative soul. And I think more, I think we should have 15,000 people at WPI again and revive our entire industry again and make sure that we support the conferences that are still existing. We used to have a bunch. Now we only have basically WPI. We have imaging, we have portrait masters, we have the photo creators. We have a couple of little ones, like those are smaller, smaller ones. Then you have like the big ones yeah. and we don't have that many anymore, you know? So I think we should support these things. I think you should, you should go and make it like a, like a, like a yearly thing that you just put in your calendar as part of your business. And I think you'll have a lot of fun and you'll be thankful for it. Like it shouldn't be like, do I kind of maybe want to go? It should be like, oh no, this is like, I do this every year, like I'm going. So, yeah, essential. Essential, yeah. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it'll be fun to see people again, you know? I think so too. And I think I like what you said. You're right. We're, we're all kind of coming out of this, you know, I guess you could say global trauma that we all went through and we survived, those of us, and it was hard and there was a lot of hardship in the world, but. I think you're right. It's time to come back out. It's time to do in-person events again. They're irreplaceable. They're so perfect. And I miss people, you know. I miss hanging out. I miss people too. I know. Me too. It's going to be fun. That's going to be one of the best parts this year. They have a lot of fun parties and the show floor is going to have a DJ. It's going to be amazing. Such good energy yeah. that they're bringing to WPPI this exactly. year. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that was so much fun. I had so much fun getting to know you a little bit more. And I can't wait to hug you in person in a couple of months. Yes. And yeah, thank you so much. You are such a wealth of knowledge. Yep, hug away. I'm a hugger. <laughs> me I'm a too. Latin guy. You know how it is. I'm a, I'm a Latina. <laughs> you, know, you can't. It's like, come here. Don't give me that handshake. I, I know. I know. I'm like, bring it in. Bring it in. <laughs> yeah, bring it in. Bring it in. <laughs> Let's hug it out. Let's hug well, it out. <laughs> where can everyone find you? Really quick, I want you to just uh, throw out your Instagram handle or anywhere that you would like them to find you, anything that you have going on right now, and then I will let you go. Well, I have very few followers on Instagram, and I would love to have a few more. So... <laughs> Lies. <laughs> no, seriously. My Instagram has been stuck in the same number for like eight months. Follow up so I get out of this depressing rut. My Instagram is terrible. It's Roberto underscore photo. Roberto underscore photo. And you'll see it. Okay, go give him a follow, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the WPPI podcast. We will be releasing new episodes every single Wednesday. So make sure that you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to tune in so you never miss an episode. See you soon.